HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer Distributors. For more information, visit unionbeerdist.com. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. We are a member-supported, nonprofit food radio station. That means that every single thing we do, from broadcasting 35 weekly shows for free to bringing you exclusive content from sold-out food events across the country to offering scholarships to high school students, is only possible thanks to the support of our loyal members. And we want you to join the club. Become a member during our 2017 Summer Drive to get access to sweet swag and pledge your support to the world's only food radio station. Visit heritageradionetwork.org donate to become a member now. Hey, hey, welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. And today is our Good Beer Seal show. It's Tuesday, July 17th, 2017. We've got some great guests joining us today at Heritage Radio Network. And we're celebrating Thank July you. Good Beer Month here in New York City. So let's have everyone announce themselves. This is one of my favorite uh, times of the year, July Good Beer Month. So much of it is about... You know, this, this special uh, small craft beer bars in the city, many of whom I, I've known going back to 2009. And uh, to talk about things like, you know, why beer bars are important. And, you know, they were always the ultimate tasting rooms for breweries. And so much has changed in the city and the state for the better. There's so many breweries and breweries have tasting rooms. So we want to get, like, talk about the personalities and, and the special places where I still like to go to get my beer. So everybody, let's go around the room and introduce yourselves. I'm Justin Phillips from Beer Table. I'm Robert Sherrill from Copenhagen. I'm Kyle Kinzer from Randolph Beer. I'm Dan McLaughlin from the Pony Bar. I'm Alicia from Mecklenburgs. And we'd like to welcome you all to the show. So give a big cheer. And uh, David's got special effects. Like, thank you so much. <laughs> you know, you all got some great stories. You know, uh, back in 2009, things were a little different. There are only four breweries in New York City. Um, there had just started in 2008 the first New York Craft Beer Week, which is actually started by an individual, and all distributors and, and breweries and bars were involved. And uh, Justin, you know, think back to that time. You had my favorite little uh, fancy beer bar in Brooklyn where you poured nice beers from, from bottles like, like it was wine. 
you, you had a different approach, and you're one of the people that I, your, your place and Spite and Dive were places that I looked up to, and I said, you know, I don't want to just go into a saloon-style place and have beer. I, I want beer, you know, the way you, what's your approach to beer? Because it was, it was always different, especially back then. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a special time and, and very different than what I do now, though, of course, it's still the same brand beer table. Um, but it was, it was a great time in 2009. Uh, we were a couple years into having opened the first place, and uh, all about tasting and flavor and aroma and all you know all the good things that make beer uh, good food. And you were, you were even cooking sometimes. You had specials, yeah, yeah, for sure. but you you would also you'd work for B United, so you had a lot of special large format bottles, and you were pouring them, and you always had stemware. Yeah, we were always, you, we were always trying new things and not really worrying about traditional beer service ever. That wasn't really that important to me. I just really wanted to see whatever was exciting and out there, and uh, just all about tasting and. and sharing good things with you with yeah, folks it's always been a good one with you bro thank you thanks, man. thanks <laughs> and then dan from pony bar you too back then you know tell us about your your, your place back then uh, 2009 everybody said in 2009 you'll never make it there there's no there there uh on 10th avenue and now we're on the upper east side at 75th and first and things are good uh the the business model is still similar but there's been a lot of changes uh from operating costs to back of house things to the price of kegs price of labor but at the end of the day it's really about getting the liquid in front of the patron and letting them decide what they like. Um, and now there's more liquid to choose from than ever before, you know. But when you first, your first pony had, had a concept, right? It was like $5 pints. Correct, yeah, $5 pints. Was it all New York? No, it was all American. All American, all American draft only, no imports, no no package. And uh, it took off. It was did very well. And all of our beers were the same price. Everything was $5. The only thing that changed was the glass size between 14 ounces and 8 ounces. And... Uh, yeah. yeah, right. And, and Kyle, what were you doing back in 2009? Actually, I was just moving to New York City at that time. Um, I was coming out from L.A., um, settling in, and uh, starting to explore. And actually, funny enough, Pony Bar was one of the first spots I used to go to when I was living in Hell's Kitchen at that time. So I definitely credit them to sort of my, my entrance into New York City's beer scene. So you're part of Randolph... Randolph Beer, yeah. Randolph Beer, and you've got a couple locations. Yeah, we've got a Nolita in South Williamsburg, and we're here just a couple weeks away from opening our brew pub in Dumbo. That's great, and that's really exciting. Yeah, finally. <laughs> and then uh, Alicia from, from Mecklenburg's, you know, you had a great story. You, you, you were, what, going around the country opening gourmet shops for... In 2009, store. yeah. Yeah, I was uh, working at Bed Bath & Beyond as the gourmet food, wine, and beer buyer. So you really got a lot of experience. Uh, and and how, I also how did... spent almost every weekend learning from Justin at Beer <laughs> <laughs> I had moved to Brooklyn uh, in 2009 as well, and... They sent me to Cologne, and you told me everything to do in Cologne, so thanks. <laughs> we had a few beers. For everything. Yeah, thank you. Well, and Robert, you know, tell us uh, what you were doing back then. I know you were a home brewer. Yeah, well, 2009, I was a home brewer, but uh, uh, I was also a theater producer at the time. Like, I was working for uh, a number of different theater companies. I worked for the Labyrinth Theater Company was the last theater company that I worked for. Uh, and... Uh, I sort of transitioned into beer. I'm sort of the new person in the room uh, when it comes to uh, depth of experience in the craft beer market. Uh, But uh, I think having an experience in in theater prepared me for anything. Uh, And I think that uh, a lot of the same things... Uh, just translate over. Uh, it's making sure that people have a good time. It's making sure that they get their money's worth. Uh, and just making sure that like everything that you do supports local, supports craft, supports local business, and, uh, and, and just being a pillar of your community. And you're, you're the manager at Covenhoven NYC yep. in Brooklyn. So what, 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 what makes you guys tick? I mean, you know, Kyle, you, you've kind of like, uh, 
you've got a lot to say about the industry. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I, you know, you talk about the the amount of breweries and bars that have started to open. It's been great. You know, as, as I mentioned, 2009 to now, those last eight years, it's been really crazy to see just how many the bars are open, but also how many breweries have been open. Um, it's great to see that now you can really support the New York City beer scene, not just the New York State beer scene, or as you did, Dan Pony Bar, the sort of American scene, um, that you can really now dive into all these great breweries in New York City alone now. That's been a lot of uh, one of my favorite things to see over the last couple of years. All right, let's try to get a sense of you know each each one of these places. What I love about these good beer seal bars is that each one's fairly unique and it really has an approach. And often the owners, you know, f- spirits come through. So each one of you, t- tell me something that's at your shop now that represents you. It could be your product. It could be the way you do service. Um, start with Alicia. Um, with with that's it's a little interesting because we're a craft beer bar, but we're also a gourmet food shop. So. Um, two things, I would say. The Mechelobe Ultra, which I brought in, that Barrier made for us, is amazing. That's our Pilsner. That is just fantastic. I just kicked that at my bar. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. it's Those guys are it's incredible. Ultra. Mechelobe Ultra. Mechelobe. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, clearly, our Ample Hills Babka ice cream. And your, your personality's all over it. Everything's Max. You're Alicia Max on Facebook. Did you, yeah. you didn't know that, but that's her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Branding, branding. What about for you, Dan? You know, you, you, now you've settled. You're at Pony NYC on the Upper East Side. Correct. Yeah. You know, one, at one point I co-owned four bars with a business partner, and we went our separate ways. So now I simply am the owner of the Pony Bar on 75th and First. And uh, does my personality sign shine through? I like to think it does. I don't. I mean, I guess it does. We're still American only. We're still draft only. We recently introduced a thing called Dance Cans, where we're trying to do brewery source cans from local breweries like Grimm, Barrier, Other Half, Threes. That sounds cool. Uh, Industrial Arts, Peak Skill, and those have been really popular. Um, really popular, and uh, now it's constantly hunting pack looking for sixteen ounce IPA cans. <laughs> but uh, but you, you've, you've been on the map. I mean, a couple years ago, when uh, Sierra, the founders of Sierra Nevada. Uh, Ken Grossman came and did a launch of the the Otrevez goes. Correct. He picked uh, the Pony Bar. So so, you know, you've been this industry stalwart. You know, what are some of those other relationships that you have like that? Well, one of the things with the relationships is that we've got length. We've got some distance between us now. We're just turned eight years old. So in eight years, we've poured a lot of beer from a lot of different people. Some breweries that are no longer in the market or that have, are defunct, some people that have pulled out of the market. But when you're pouring a brewery consistently day in, day out for eight years, you're going to sort of develop that relationship, especially if they have reps in the market. So when sometimes when big wigs or luminaries or brewery owners come to town, they'll, they'll you know come to the Pony Bar and set up shop and we'll host events with them. So it's, it's, that's, that's great. That's just that's years in the making, those relationships. And then, Justin, you've evolved you know, beer table from a boutique you know, beer bar to a, a bigger retail operation. Um, are you selling cans too, or you know, yeah. what are you mostly selling out of there? Yeah, I mean, we've had <clears throat> just in the last seven, eight months, we've seen a huge shift. Um, partially because of what's happened in Grand Central, which is our main location. Um, there were a bunch of bar carts there that were shut down in December, and immediately, all all of the <laughs> folks who were able to buy beer everywhere in Grand Central didn't have a place except for to come to us. 
Um, and so it's just, it's intense. The can volume is, is nuts. So I should just go to Grand Central. How about this? We should do a trip. Go to Grand Central, buy a couple of beers at Beer Table, yeah. and get on the, the Metro North. Yep, exactly. And just have a drink. Yeah, that's the bulk of our customers. Yeah. Getting Maybe I'll go to Peekskill Brewery or something. Exactly, yeah. Or do a, do a remote from uh, Grand Central. Do a remote show. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then Robert, too, tell us. So, so you know, you, you stepped into Covenhoven. You, yep. know, you, you were like every ride, like you know, Justin Kennedy, Josh Bernstein. They all lived up by <laughs> Covenhoven, and yeah, suddenly I mean, you came on the map. It's like, oh, this is like our. Well, yeah, cool I mean, it's sort shop. of it's sort of one of those things. Like Covenhoven is pretty much pretty much every beer professional's local. Like, there's a lot of beer professionals that live in our neighborhood. Uh, so they have a vested interest in making sure that our tap list is great because it's their local as well. Uh, the great thing about about my job is that I I walk three blocks to work, you know, like it's and and all I have to do is maintain the relationships that were already established by my predecessor James Case, uh, who was an amazing beer buyer and uh, works for Threes now, you know, like it's just it's it's easy to do. It's easy. I think I think my philosophy uh, is the same from theater that it is now as a beer buyer, which is I'm not investing necessarily in a specific beer. I'm investing in the life of a brewery, much the way that I invested in the life of a playwright, not in a specific play. Um, and to be able to do that and to actually see my friends like open up beer bars right now, it's not the breweries right now. It's kind of amazing. You know, it's kind of it's kind of, you know, I mean, you, you, I'm sure we've all like had friends say, I'm going to open a brewery. And you're like, sure, you are, buddy. But to actually see it happen and to be able to support them in a way that I couldn't before is really quite gratifying. That's great. And earlier, so Alicia said that, you know, you made a beer, a Meckel Ultra beer. A Meckel Ultra. You, you were pouring it. So how, how did that connection happen? Did you know that they were making a beer? Was it, was oh, yeah. it through I the mean, brewery? Of course, yeah. Like, I mean, I follow Meckelbergs on Instagram. I follow I follow Barrier on Instagram. And, you know, I, I you've got to keep up with where the industry is going and what's happening and what beers are out. And thankfully we both have probably the same rep, Phil Beglin, um, who, uh, who was like, Hey, do you want that Meckelberg's collab? And I was like, hell yeah, I want that Meckelberg's collab. And it was delicious. And we poured through it so quickly. Yeah. Cardiff giant, I think also just kicked it recently. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And then and Kyle, before we take our break, quick shout out where you guys are going at Randolph beer. You know, you're opening a brewery. Yeah, the brew pub. Um, you know, it's funny you say, you know, good luck opening the brewery because it's been so hard. I mean, opening a bar is hard, but opening a brew pub, the Department of Buildings has been a little uh, tough, shall we say, to deal with. But, you know, we're going to persevere and we'll be open in a couple of weeks. But, you know, I, I think the personality, as you were talking about earlier, comes out because we take our serious, we take our beer serious, we take our food serious, but we love to have fun. It's not stuffy. It's not, you know, overbearing. You know, we still play classic rock. Have some fun, but drink some great beer and eat some great food at the same time. Yeah, great. Well, this is going to be a great night on, on the show, and we're taking a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. In 1996, Sheehan Family Companies, formerly L. Knife & Son, acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn. Union Beer has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. 
It has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Brooklyn and parts of Queens through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx, Staten Island, and Long Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education at all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the seven counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit unionbeerdist.com. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, it's uh, July, July Good Beer Month. We've got some good beer sealed bars in the house. And Robert Sherrill, one of my favorite New York City beer guys, now I'm a beer buyer at Covenhoven. You brought us two great beers. We already had them. Yeah. What did you bring in? Uh, well, uh, let's start with the second we have first. A lot to cover today. Uh, the second was uh, the Paramount Pale Ale from Peekskill. Uh, they're making some really delicious cans right now. Uh, we've also got that in the shop. We've had that in the shop, and we also have uh, Aussie Slang in the shop. Uh, both really delicious pale ales. Uh, their their can game has just gone to a whole nother level. And before that, speaking of peak skill, uh, we have power tools from uh, Industrial Arts from Chief, uh, who used to work, who used to be the head brewer at Peak Skill. Uh, it's a delicious IPA, super hazy, northeastern. I think it's like five point nine percent. Really, really delicious beer. So let's go talking about you know, how do you keep up with all these beers? I mean, I still buy the beer at Jimmy's Number Forty Three, but I, I feel like that. That times have changed, and I, I also can't keep up with you know everything that everybody wants. You know who has a beer buyer now? You know who who is? I mean, I know you do. Tell us about your guy because he was on the show last year, Alicia. Yes, Eric Hall. We would not be Mecklenburgs if we did not have Eric Hall. And what what do you the best like about business. having a beer buyer for your operation? He makes us the best we can be. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it, when, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, we're expanding. We're opening a second one. Wouldn't be possible without him. Yeah, and, then, and Justin, what about for your beer table location? Yeah, each manager for each store is the buyer for, for the store. And I think it's really important because our model is all about super fast turn inventory. We don't really sit on anything for more than a week or two. So it's really important to have whoever's on the floor to be the person who's doing the buying. So they're really passionate about it. Yeah, and they, and they can take it personally. And customers know they're... You know, getting their beer from the person who who chooses it, and that's really important. And in general, how, how have you found those people? Um, so people always ask me about careers and, and the beer industry. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I mean, we've tried lots of things, but at this point, uh, we have a really great crew, and they kind of come to us. They find us. Yeah. And Kyle, tell us how Randolph works because you've got a couple locations. Yeah, we're, we're similar to to you guys there, Justin. We we have specific people in each store. Generally, the general manager. Uh, and I, and I kind of help out from afar is, you know, developing a couple of relationships, you know, people like KCBC, Threes, other half, you know, I'll, I'll make some recommendations or see something coming down the pipeline. Say, hey, guys, make sure we pull this aside. Um, but one thing we're actually starting a new initiative is uh, getting all of our general managers to be certified Cicerones. Um, so not, not, way, not only are they looking at what beer they're bringing in, but they're also taking care of the beer that they're bringing in. Um, you know, we're passionate about the education side. All of our bartenders are certified beer servers, so it's kind of logical to make that next step of go ahead and make the general manager a Cicerone, a full Cicerone, so that way we make sure we can present the beer in the best light. Now, Dan, do you still buy your, the beer at the Pony? Yeah, I buy all the beer at the Pony Bar. Just simply, the emails go to my inbox. It allows me to just sort of sift 
what we need, what I think is popular, what I think people want. I'm, it's always a combination of trying to get trying to get things that I think people want and trying to get things I pe- think people should try. And it's that fine line, that constant fine line between stupid and clever. Because I want to please people, but at the same time, I want to try to turn them on to new new things. What is it? Fine line yeah. between stupid and clever. <laughs> you know, I oh, mean, genius. you don't want to you don't want to have a is it, whose life is that, Robert? <laughs> you don't want to have a, a, a maybe a West Coast. You should put that quote up at Grand Central. Probably more people walk by your store, Grand Central Station. We'll, today, let's find the fine line between stupid and clever. I've got a question, Jimmy, for the group. How how important would you guys say like your the the reps relationship with you? Not just specifically like a rep for Union or Manhattan, say, but just specifically the breweries. Like you know, are they coming in and doing sales calls nonstop, or actually they developing a relationship? Do you do you how do you find the relationships with those reps? Um, I I think this is a business of relationships. Uh, I think that those are the most important things uh, that that we do in the beer industry um, is we establish relationships with people and we we keep them up. And that includes not just while they're doing sales calls, but like hanging out with them, like going to their birthday parties or, you know, sadly, when like one of them goes away, like Krista Kilberg did recently, like going to her going away party. Like those are things because. We have to realize that that beer is an industry of relationships, and it's a it's an industry of congeniality, and it's a place where we all come together over a shared beverage, and it shows us that we're not so different from each other. And in order to do that, we have to get we have to gather together, even outside because there's of a our, fine line between stupid. There's this fine. That's exactly right. <laughs> I think you hit it. You're good at that, Robert. <laughs> no, I, I just think I, yeah, I think I think the relationships are, are like I think that's what we do. Absolutely, but I feel I feel like now it's like it's. I mean, Dan, you're buying the beer. I buy the beer too. But I'm just buying the beer from like more of a pub style operation. Like I can't imagine like having a retail. Uh, uh, you know how many how many different items do you have stocked just in a beer hall? Beer yeah, table? It's, it's a couple hundred, and in terms of beer, it's you know eighty to hundred at any given time. So that's really that's the manager. It's almost their full time job. Yeah, I mean it's ten to fifteen changes a day. It's fast. And, and we try to. I mean, we just we just want to look to look different every time a customer comes in. Yeah, and what about Always. for you, Robert? Uh, we have uh, yeah. we have sixteen rotating taps, and those rotate at least once a week, um, if not more. Uh, and uh, we have about two hundred and fifty cans and bottles. Yeah, and what are you guys doing? So the big story now is everyone, everyone wants to talk about the breweries. Um, Randolph, you guys are having a, a is it a restaurant brewery license? I mean, how yeah, are you it's doing a, it a full on brew pub license. Um, I mean, we kind of came around to it simply because we found this space and it was amazing space and we knew we wanted it. We just knew it was huge and we had to figure out a way to fill the space because it's 7,500 square feet, which is massive. Um, and so we were trying to th- come up with ways that we could fill the space and be cool and be fun and exciting. And, you know, through the discussions, we're like, well, we know so much about beer. Why don't we take a go at it? Try our hand at the brew pub. And it's been exciting. It's been trying. But, you know, I, I really think that we're going to be able to make our own little mark in the New York City beer scene and, and add a lot to what, you know, everybody else is so doing. You, you just did a preview with Josh Burns. Uh, Josh Burns Thursday. is like the go-to guy. Everyone, <laughs> yeah. he previews, uh, you know, you work with him too, right? Previews oh, yeah, he, lives, he lives in our neighborhood. He's, yeah. a, he's a regular. He does the can jams at uh, Threes. So what's what's the preview? It's next week. Uh, it's Thursday. This coming Thursday, two days from now. Um, basically, tickets are on sale. You can go to our Facebook page, get the Eventbrite. Uh, it's just to, to give people a chance to say, you know, who wouldn't normally be invited to say a friends and family or something like that, to get the chance to come see right, right as we're opening. Come taste some of the first beers out of the tanks. I mean, right now we have three beers 
ready to serve. We actually have one here tonight. Um, and uh, it gives them a chance to be one of the first people to taste those beers and come see the space and explore and check out what we're doing. Yeah. And who popped these beers? These uh, Pappy's Porter beers. Tell us about those, man. Uh, a friend of mine lives in my building. Uh, my lovely wife, Lisa, refers to him as one of my divorce friends because if I keep hanging out with him, I'm going to get divorced. <laughs> um, he does a lot of business in Vermont. Um, Another fine line between stupid yeah. and clever. <laughs> um, but he's always in Vermont on business, and he always finds time to make a trip to Alchemist and bring back, brings, very generous with his, you know, with his stuff. And um, I'm usually the beneficiary of of. A lot of cans from Alchemist. So, so this is Alchemist. Yeah, Alchemist. Pappy's, Pappy's Porter, and then there's another one. Belzebub. Belzebub. Yeah, Belzebub. That's yeah. the one I'm drinking. It's delicious. Imperial. Imperial. Yeah, it's good stuff. Not. I, I thought it would be something maybe you didn't always see. You know. Yeah. Try to be unique. You know. So what, what is what, what? I mean, this this beer still jazzes me. Alchemist. You know, what are some of the beers that jazz you guys? Like Alicia, are you, are you a beer person? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. What, what are some beers that you really you really like that? Oh my goodness! Uh, like, I can't wait to get back to my place and drink this. I, I am so excited to see what Grimm's going to start doing in their own house. Um, I love those guys; they're the best. They're just amazing. Uh, I'm excited for Evil Twin. I'm there's there's I, you asked a question earlier of um, what what's the best thing about doing the business, and you said the supply, and it really is. It's the supply, like. It's just watching the people that live in your backyard that are just making great beer, and it's impossible to pick one. But I'm excited for my friends. Again, you don't you don't fall in love with a beer; you fall in love with a brewery. You know, some are always better than others, but you're you're there for the long haul. Wow, Justin, the dean over here, <laughs> what? Justin from Beer Table. I called you Beer Hall before. Beer Hall. I still admire, I admire you a lot it's because not I said as big as a hall. back then you had you had like my favorite go to. Place, even though I can never get into it because it was so small, but you've really changed your whole your whole model from you know a little boutique bar to you know a, a retail operation. What, what what are some of the items that are just flying out on you? I mean, can you even keep track? Not really. And since I'm not buying right now, I'm I'm not even drinking that much beer. I'm divorced. Got to ask this question. Um, but I mean, our, our can volume it's just nuts. I mean, we we just look at like how quick it's changing and. How much is happening, and it's it's just amazing. So I become a can guy too. I, I I used to kind of not think it was anything serious, but you know I usually it's, take cans home. I, if I see cans in the store, I'll buy them. Yeah. What about you, Robert? What, what are some things that you really you know jazz you up? Oh gosh, if we're going to talk about cans, I mean we, I can go all day. Uh, I'm so happy that Barrier's canning now. Uh, I love that we get in Greenpoint cans that a lot of people don't get in because we've got a really special relationship with Greenpoint. We've done a couple of collaborations with them. Um, Greenpoint beer and ales. Yeah, Greenpoint beer and ale. Yeah, actually in Greenpoint. Um, uh, I, I, there's there's a lot of them. I mean, like Grim. you're absolutely right, Alicia. Like Grim is making some great stuff. I can't wait until they get into their own space. Uh, I, again, the, the two the two that I brought, uh, Peakskill and uh, Industrial Arts, are also making. I, I mean, Dan, if you want to take notes, like like these are these are the sixteen ounce tall boys of our lives. Uh, Jack's Abbey, like if we're going to beyond New York, like the, a really solid lager brewery. Um, there's there's I mean there's so I could go on. I could go on. I, I would be remiss to not uh, mention, I know this is uh, specifically Good Beer Month, but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Kyle and Say at Graft Cider, who I think are doing the most exciting thing in cider right now. And uh, we can't keep them on draft, and we can't keep them in the shelves. 
You know, what we one time we had on the, the, the Goza on draft. It was a Goza, Goza style cider. I don't know, and people thought it was a, a Goza beer. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, I mean, you have to understand that Kyle and say uh, um, Kyle comes from Millstone. Uh, he he was the the assistant, Maryland, yeah, yeah at, at Millstone, and so he's got that sort of like, you know. Uh, the way he he looks at cider, but then also um, say can't really drink beer, but they both love beer, so they're making cider like beer, um, and they're doing so with holy wild fermented yeast, and all of them are sour, and everyone has no right to be as good as it is, uh, but it's so amazing. Uh, and uh, Robert, it, you're like a preacher, man. Yeah, I'm telling Keep you, going, bro. I'm right? telling you, like, amen. Uh, no, I think, like I, like I said, uh, uh, and I can't, I don't want to, I, I don't want to undersell this. I think Kyle and Say are doing the most the exciting thing in cider right now. Beer. Yeah, <laughs> Kyle, Kyle here. Tell us more. You're ready to roll, too. Let's keep rolling. Yeah. Uh, well, real quick, I uh, just started pouring the summer Saison. Uh, one of our first beers we made, Saison uh, with lemon zest, lime zest, and ginger. You get the ginger. The taste really of the nice. ginger, yeah. Yeah, really nice and pronounced. Um, you know, I, one of the things that um, Alicia mentioned that I kind of caught on to was she was talking about how her friends, you know, friends of, you know, Evil Twin and Grimm and stuff. And that's what's, you know, talking about the relationships uh, Robert said earlier. Like, that's one of the most exciting things. Um, I had the fortunate experience to see KCBC way early on before they opened up. It was just literally a concrete slab and they had just jackhammered one little corner. And to now see their bustling tap room in Bushwick on a Saturday afternoon, that's what's exciting is it's just not like, oh, yeah, another brewery opened up. It's our friends opened another brewery and it's such a tight community. That you know, one of my friends. That yeah, like, exactly. You, you know, are, we, we can continue to say, you know, oh, yeah, my friend did this. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's almost, you know, not even six degrees of separation. It's like two degrees of separation. Yeah. He's my friend. You know, I mean, he's my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about your friends, Alicia. Which friends? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> my friends. Your brewery friends. Oh, Joe friends. and Lauren and. Brian Strumpke and uh, just everyone, everyone well, that you see. We should do a quick street. plug for Grimm because they actually have a fundraiser coming up this week, and I forget the exact date, but they had an issue with their tanks out in uh, Portland. Same um, thing Saturday. as uh, Barrier. Yeah, Barrier. Barrier. Yeah, Grimm and Barrier both had an issue with uh, getting their tanks um, from the manufacturer out in Portland, so they're doing a collaboration with some proceeds going to fixing yes. other tanks. So everyone who's listening should definitely check out that information and go support those guys. What, what style of beer is that? Uh, I'm not sure, actually. Robert, you don't know? I'm pretty sure it's a double dry hopped IPA. Oh, yeah? Both of them. Yeah. It makes sense. Which sounds like the style. That's my next question is, what is the style right now that everyone's dying for? On our boards, we've had to start adding DDH before a lot of different things because it's double dry hop, and that's what the people are going for. I was going to say the kids are going for it, but I think it's everybody's going for it. So it used to be we have a, a, a beer, a double IPA from this specific brewery, but now that beer is DDH. It's double dry hopped. So that's that's the sort of the thing that's the sort of sort of become a selling point. We have that on the board now. Back to Grimm really quickly. There was a great article that mentioned Grimm with some photos in the New York Times. Worth a read. Um, yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. It's coming out like today, isn't Josh it? Josh Bernstein's article today. Yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> it all comes back to Josh Bernstein. Hi, Josh. Happy birthday. <laughs> all right. Hey, we'll take another short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Great.
I'm Sam Ben Ruby, host of the Grape Nation on Heritage Radio Network. Tune in every Wednesday at 6 p.m. to hear some of the best people in wine tell you about what's going on in the world of wine. Support my show and all of Heritage Radio Network's programming. Go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the beating heart to donate. Hey, let's come back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, it's uh, middle of July. We're talking with some great beer bar owners and managers about what's just going on in the state of beer right now. So one thing that's interesting is that, like, Alicia, for you at Mecklenburg's, you know, and you were like me. I was more of a wine person, and, and there were some beers I tried that, that made me, you know, turn me on to beer. What was that beer for you? Um, probably a, a blend of Aventinas, uh, Optimator, and Celebrator. Oh, yeah? Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't like beer. I didn't like beer-flavored beer. Everyone makes fun of me at the bar. That's super specific. Yeah. No, I mean, I like Bach beer. It was just, it was sweet enough, and I... But it was, now it was I love a, everything. A Schneider brewery. I'm trying to get this. So Justin used to work for the importer that brought in Schneider and some other mm-hmm. classic beers like Hittuccino. And uh, I don't know. Is, it, is that a common story for you that people tasted some, some of the great German, Belgian beers and that turned them on to beer? Uh, I mean, it was for me because I was selling wine when I ended up working for Be United. <laughs> um, and it definitely kind of, kind of brought me into it. Um, I'm probably not going to answer your question, but I have something else to say relating to that. <laughs> you can do that. I guess when, I want you to talk about the old days, Justin. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I interviewed to work for Be United with Matthias. Uh, that was like, what, 2000? I don't know, 2003, 2004, days. something like that. Um, the first thing he did was a blind tasting with me, and I was so intimidated because I didn't know anything about beer at all. And uh, it was wonderful because it was, it was all about just talking about like what was I, I was experiencing. And, um, you know, I, I, don't, I, I probably got everything totally wrong, but it was really fun. And it's something that I still think that as excited as we are as what's happening in our community and New York changing in the city and breweries happening and all of our friends and all the nice things that we're saying, I'm going to be the negative guy and say, <laughs> I think it's really important that we taste blind. I think it's really important that we, like, as much as we love everyone and all the new things that are happening, that we're actually paying attention to what's really good out there. And, you know, still, still let's support our local and let's do all that, but let's really taste and let's make sure that we don't lose our old classics. Let's, let's not lose Schneider. Let's not let all those things go away because we're so interested in whatever's new. Schneider, you know, Aventinas was one of my favorite. Years ago, I think it was a, a fake Oktoberfest party where this German artist was at my old bar and she was, you know, suspended on a billboard and doing like radical live art. And I drank eight Schneider Aventinas that day. And I, <laughs> I smelled like beer for two days, but I was like, this is my kind of beer. So, are you sure she was on like a like? I, I mean, I, how would you know after eight? It's called live art painting. I don't know. Man. <laughs> I'm not sure how many feet she was off the, the ground, but I don't know. Go on, come on. <laughs> Alicia, I'm trying to get you to talk about beer, but I know you love food, too. So, Well, one of the cool things I would say, you know, Justin, you're mentioning that, like, don't forget the classics and stuff, but it's kind of fun to see that come back around full circle now. I mean, especially with the Pilsner, that's kind of, you know, really hitting, you know, threes, the summer of Pils last year. Now a lot of people are doing Pilsner this year. Um, but I would even say, like, you know, some of the Bach beers, you know, Folks Beer doing a, a Hell's Bach and a couple, I think, a secondary Bach. And, you know, maybe we're going to get some, you know, Doppelbachs and these other, you know, sort of classic styles coming back into focus as people go, you know what, those double dry hot, crazy double IPAs are great every now and then, but sometimes I just want a refreshing, super drinkable beer that has some depth of flavor, but I definitely don't have to think about. I can just drink it and have fun. When we tap Mars and Gusbundit, 
It's gone in a day. Unga spooned yeah. in is yeah. such it is a great beer. In a day. It's just it's and, and that's why you're exactly right. You can't forget. I get that I get that beer in bottles, I get that beer on draft, and it doesn't matter. People just go crazy I mean, for it. Even if you not my favorite, but like Goffel Kolsch, it's hundred and eight degrees outside right now. You want to talk about and this uh, who knows? I just ordered tall boys of Reisdorf Kolsch, you know? Like I mean, do it. Yeah. Do it. It's, yeah. it's who, now, who knows what summer. actually ungespundent means. Ooh. Oh, oh, yeah. oh uh, Jim Barnes probably does. <laughs> yeah. Jim Justin, Barnes you know? definitely knows. You don't know. Wait a minute. Repeat it again. Repeat. Ungespundent. Oh, is that that German purity law? Or is that something else? No, that's Reinheitsgebot. <laughs> right. yeah. Sorry. My German is rusty. Well, Zwickel means, Zwickel style is like, it means the, it's the special batch of unfiltered beer that only the, like, the, the brewer gets the key for. And I think ungespundent is related to that. It's something about... This is great. I don't know. Anyone looked it up? What does Ungeschmunnen really mean in the context of beer? At least you'll you'll find that out for us. I I I just said the word. We we need a caller caller to call in. We know that Ungeschmunnen is Mars. If you don't know Mars, Stephen, I mean, Stefan Mars out of Bamberg. Has anyone been to Bamberg? You have. Of course you have, Justin. Which breweries did you visit there? Talk Uh, about, like, homeland of beer. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the most concentrated group of breweries that I know of it, where, at least where I've traveled in Germany but um, probably the most beautiful little town too totally preserved um, all on a hill Schlinkerla is the most like picturesque and like amazing uh, tavern from the 11th century it's it's, uh, it's a beautiful place and Mars is wonderful as well I mean just a great drinking culture and very unique styles coming out of there now, that was very, Alicia thank you for bringing up Mars Ungeschmunnen man this could be a whole other show <laughs> thank Justin but Bambri, you know, it's <laughs> like, he's the one who told me you gotta do some pilgrimages and have, who's ever been to Belgium to, to check out breweries there of course Justin <laughs> what were some, so what were some of the breweries that you used to work with from Belgium um, <clears throat> there were a lot um, Dole pops out just because it's always one of my favorites um, but lots of other little ones Alvin and uh, Hansen's, one of the very unusual old classics. And Hansen's yeah. doesn't brew; they just blend. Just right? a blender. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. One, one and and isn't he like uh, I, I, George Flickinger would tell you the story <laughs> better than I could? Uh, but uh, isn't he like a air traffic controller during the weekdays? Oh gosh, I don't. And know then that. on the weekends, he <laughs> you know, blends funny, beer. A lot, a lot of the really the, the renowned Belgian brewers that we know, or the small breweries, all have day jobs. Yeah, yeah. So interesting. Who knew? Yeah, let's talk about food and beer pairings. We, we have special places. So, Alicia, I know you guys you make some great food in a very small kitchen. That chicken sandwich after we midnight. don't really have a kitchen. We have but two. You still make food. We make food. So don't yeah. tell me we don't have a kitchen. But <laughs> no, well we have no gas. You do a so lot I with have, a very. I have small electric space. heat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we may. We've been very fortunate. We we do make good food and we make good food well and. And we've been very lucky to be recognized for it. So it's great. Good food. So, good Robert, beer. you like the chicken sandwich? Oh, that chicken sandwich at midnight? The oh, my God. How many times yeah. have yeah. I been there? So like, what beer should we have with a chicken it. sandwich at Mecklenburg's? Oh, God. Have a Saison. Like, have a, yeah, have a farmhouse ale. Like, have something that's, like, got a rich, yeasty character to it that's going to back up that, like, cayenne pepper, like, and also sweet note that, that it has. We have, like, a, a, a rosé goza or something. There we go. That's, that would also be that really would, good. That would yeah. go really like well. Something like something like sour. Like something with like wheat that's got like a, a malt character. Yeah, it really go, it goes with it goes with everything. Well, I'm doing that. It it goes if, if there's one more, I've had really it with an IPA. I've had one it with more a beer. Let's pour it. Hey Justin, so if you going now, I'm, I'm getting you to talk because you are one of my you're one of the deans of craft beer in New York City, and I do think an important part of why I like you is your travels and, and your experience selling you know Belgian and German beers. What, what what in your in your days of the old beer table when when you had the little menu and everything, what were some of the typical dishes that you'd serve? 
for beer? I kept it really simple because just like Knuckleberg's. Peanuts. <laughs> Pickled peanuts. I want that <laughs> recipe. Yeah. There's nothing to it. There's nothing to it. I mean, like we, we just. Pickled prayed. peanuts? They're yeah. in the shell. They're the most amazing thing ever. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we did silly experiments like pickled peanuts and dehydrating watermelon slices and mm-hmm. just things that were just. You did some weird stuff also flavor. like uh, certain types of, of eggs. We pickled eggs. We pickled we pick, eggs. We pickled yeah. a ton of eggs. Um, we uh, it, it was all about like whatever we could preserve and make in batch, and then you know keeping the walk in. And uh, uh, beyond that, it was simple stuff, so just like really good beans, you know, uh, simple things that would be um, just uh, good, but that wouldn't you know out outshine the beer tasting experience. Yeah. And Kyle, what, so what are you guys doing at the new Randolph Beer with a brewery in Dumbo? Mm-hmm. Is there anything on the menu that we should uh, know about? Well, we're starting with the same menu that we have in South Williamsburg and in Olita, and then we're going to add a little bit of uh, extra. We're going to do a raw bar. Uh, that's the intention, being in Dumbo, incorporate some oysters, some crab legs, um, and then take our menu maybe a little bit further. As you know, we, we like to call it Randolph 2.0, as this is like the new version. This is, you know, Windows Vista now being updated finally. Um, w- you know, we're, we're moving forward. We've got some new ideas that are going to come out, but we always tie it back What's to the windows? beer. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> you know, e- even the way that we approach the beers that we're going to make, we actually sit down and talk about the food that it's going to pair with before you've even brewed it. So like our session IPA, for instance, we kind of have an idea of the flavors in our shrimp tacos that we want to connect with when we brew the beer. You know, we have that luxury of having our kitchen and the brewery, so might as well integrate them and then also take the beer back and do vinaigrettes and, you know, and, and different sauces, you know, with, with some of the stuff that we're doing. And then, Dan, for you, I, I think, to me, beer and food is an important part of going out. And In Germany, they have um, Gemütlichkeit, if you don't know what that means. That's like the general happy hour vibe, where traditionally you would go and you know go to a friend's house and have a little wine or beer with, with light snacks. So I was like... That, when that, I, that word actually means like a state uh, or being of happiness. Wow. And uh, what, what about for you with the pony, pony bar? Because... You know, I know you've, you've you've had restaurants, you've you've done food stuff. What do you what kind of food do you have at Pony Bar? You know, with the Pony, it's always been three things: it's been American beer, food, and rock and roll on the playlist. But tomorrow, I know about the rock and roll part, man. Yeah, rock and roll and rock and roll can. Gotta get anything. your brand out there more. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Tomorrow we're rolling out a new food menu, and it's the first revamp of the of the Pony food menu since 2009 when we opened. We've always grown the menu twice a year by one or two items. If three items came off, four or five went on. Tomorrow we're going to roll out something very different. It's more of an overhaul or sort of a a fresh look. Uh, Today's menu has 27 food items on it. Tomorrow's will have 20, and of those 20, 10 are brand new. So it's really an overhaul. And the whole idea behind the food we do is that it's supposed to be interesting because I think the beers we serve for the most part are interesting. And it's supposed to pair well with food. And I'm not looking for a flavor profile. I'm not looking for some far-reaching idea of flavor profiling. I'm just looking for things that taste really good and that I think are good so beer-drinking what's food. one item I should get tomorrow on your list? Honestly, the, hungry. W- <laughs> the wings, man. I'm so stoked to have our wings on. Um, we dicked around with so many different recipes from confit wings, all these different styles. And we've never had wings at the Pony Bar, and now we're going to have wings for the first time tomorrow. And we, it's the most requested item that we constantly have. How come you guys don't have wings? But now we will. So, what, and uh, what kind of wings? Both styles. Hot and not as hot. 
<laughs> you know, because there's a fine line between stupid and clever. I love this guy. So it, it's I'm really excited about it. Yeah. It's for our first overhaul. So. And then quick, let's do this, do this, because everyone loves food here. So quick, go around. That was your, your, your wings is what you're thinking. Alicia, favorite food to have with beer? Can be on your menu or not. I'm sure you'll tell what's on your menu. Uh, porchetta sandwich. Oh, that's a good one. Kyle? Love mussels. Mussels a la beer. It's one of the best things ever made. So cooked with beer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, nice wit beer to pair with it, too. It's perfect. Do you guys serve that at Randolph Beer? We, we have had it on off and on for a couple of years. Kind of bring it in in season, take it out when it's not in season. And actually, we do a Thai style paired with uh, a Finback's Double Sesh, their wit beer with a ginger, Szechuan peppercorns. Perfect pairing right there. Sounds great. Robert? Uh, oh, on our menu, I would say definitely the uh, Havarti and arugula with fig jam grilled cheese. Wow, that sounds really good. Yeah, it's yeah, really yeah. great. I, I have it with bacon, but, you know, you don't have to. Good. Justin, going back old school. Yeah, I mean, when we were doing it, it was definitely the dried snacks, tomatoes, watermelon, things like that. I've had, I had some great experience with, with your crew. Uh, there was one year that the B United brought in the, the brewery chef from Schlenkula, and they also brought in the brewery sh- chef from Snyder, and they did some traditional brew house dinners. And the, de- the best dish that I didn't get was on, on one of the menus that was supposed to be a, a bull's testicle carpaccio. And we weren't really, we didn't try that hard. We weren't really able to get the supplier for that in New York City. So we asked the chef in Germany, you know, what should we substitute? And he said, well, if you can't get the bull testicle carpaccio, just get veal brisket. So <laughs> if you're ever craving for a real, you know, Bamberg dish, just get veal brisket. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I was working after that one all show. But this is a great show. Last things about, you know, like, you know, about you guys as, as beer bar, beer shop owners. What makes you unique, you know, from, from, from breweries and, and, you know, distributors? And I think there's something special about the people in this room. You know, you don't all have to answer. But like, what is so special about beer bars? Uh, I think it's a commitment to local. I think it's the fact that almost, maybe not quite, I'm oversimplifying, but almost everyone can afford it, which is really nice. It's it's. You go into a wine bar now, it's $16 for a glass of wine. You can walk into Meckleberg's, and we have, uh, we have a bunch of different beers at 5 bucks. You can get an Narragansett and a shot for 6 You could be sitting next to a hedge fund manager, sitting next to a student, sitting next to, I don't know, someone who just does an after work. And it doesn't matter. You could just like have a beer, sit at a bar, unwind. Everyone's got stresses. It doesn't matter. It's the Everman beverage, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would say that... Uh, you know, it's hard running a beer bar, opening a beer bar. It, it's not easy. So you have to be passionate. You know, you, you can't just do this and kind of go, oh, yeah, this is what I'm going to do because I'm doing something else. You have to care for it. You have to love it. You have to be fully invested, you know, for something like Pony Bar to be eight years now going on nine. Like there, there's a reason why you've been able to survive and be one of those stalwarts is because you're passionate and it shows. And so. You know, I, I think that's part of the beer community that Robert was talking about earlier is like we're all passionate about it. And so when we get together and we talk, we all love to talk about it and share and, and you know, communion, you know. One of the great things about beer is that it's a unifier and it doesn't matter your religion or your race, your economic standing, who you root for, where you pray. At the end of the day, beer is sort of the I don't say it's a common man's drink, but it's certainly a unifier. And to sort of capitalize on what Alicia said. You can be sitting next to anybody. You can be anybody sitting next to anybody else, and it's 
you're all sort of enjoying the same process. You're all enjoying the same liquid. And that's one of the things I noticed. I'm in my bar six nights a week, seven nights a week, and it's just it's a true one of the few true unifiers that I can think of that you know it's not sports it's not religion it's certainly not politics but beer is something people sort of come to can come together over yeah i mean for me i would say it's like it's it's not a it's it's not the end it's a means to an end um it's it's the ability to create community and justin for me you know i'm I'm taking the metro north out of grand central looking forward to a cold beer what should i do <laughs> Go talk to my good people. They'll help you out. <laughs> at beer table. They'll take care of you. I, yes, yesterday I did some cleaning out at my, my place. It's like went through some old cookbooks. And at the end of it, you know what I wanted? I just wanted a good old lager. And I had Green Flash C2C lager. And uh, I appreciate those cans now. So I've, I've come a long way in one year. So <laughs> you guys have been influencing me. Thanks to everybody. Gosh, this is like... Uh, Dan McLaughlin from Pony Bar, Robert Cheryl Moss, Covenhoven, Alicia Meckleberg from Meckleberg's, Kyle Kensrew, Randolph Beer, Justin Phillips, my idol from uh, Beer Table. <laughs> Guys, thanks for checking us out. And uh, check out Randolph's new brewery in Dumbo, uh, Good Beer Seal. Like, you know, look it up, goodbrewseal.com. Check out, there's, over, there's about 70 uh, beer bars in the New York area that, that many of us think are, you know, representing the ideal of independent, you know, craft beer focus you know, retail and, and beer bar operations. And uh, just want to give a big shout-out to everybody. Thanks to our producer, Justin Kennedy, and uh, assistant, uh, Hillary Fasson, and, of course, our engineer, David Tattisher. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo, woo, woo. Thank you, guys. listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.